Well, hey guys, for the last few weeks we have been in Isaiah 55, and today I have the pleasure of concluding that chapter with us. And for the last five weeks we have been talking about... um, We've been talking about the the invitation of the promise and the prophecies of Isaiah. And so let's do a little review real quick. Uh, Week one, we talked about come, all who are thirsty. In other words, the invitation's for everybody. Doesn't matter who you are, what you look like, where you're from. It's for everyone. Week two is come and find life, and that life is a life of abundancy through Jesus Christ himself. And week three was come, receive your full forgiveness. There is redemption in the, in the forgiveness that comes through the blood of Jesus. And week four, come and be at peace. We learned that because God's ways and his thoughts are so much higher than ours, because he holds us in his hands, we don't have to sweat the, the small stuff. And guess what? We don't have to sweat the big stuff either. He's got it taken care of, right? So we can have peace in our hearts. In week five, uh, last week, Tom brought an awesome message on come, let the word do its work. When we learn about the word dwelling richly in our heart, how it moves us to do amazing things and how God does amazing things in us and through us. And so we're going to continue today and uh, with this. Now, we're going to change it up a little bit because the, the last Five weeks all began with come. Come all who are thirsty, come. It was an invitation. It was a coming in. Let's bring this. Today we're going to switch it up and say go. Go. We've come. We've accepted the invitation. We've accepted the promises, the blessings, the amazing prophetic words of Isaiah. Now it's time to go out. It's time to move from there. And so I want you to, to, to keep this, this picture. Let me go ahead and clear Keep that picture in mind. This is the the hillsides outside of Jerusalem. And you're going you're gonna to want to keep that in mind a little bit, okay? As we go into Isaiah 55, 12 through 13. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and the trees of the field will clap their hands. And instead of thorn bush will grow cypress and instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for an awesome time of worship. We thank you for our amazing teenagers who we're sending out to Brazil. We pray again, continued anointing on them from now until the day they leave, till the day they get home. Father God, touch them and work through them. We thank you for this, this group from Batavia and from Real Life Assembly. We thank you. We ask that you would just bless them in their ministry this week. May you just anoint each and every one of them in mighty ways, Lord God. We thank you for the giving of the tithes and offerings as we give of ourselves, Lord, that you would take those things and use them to do mighty things, to bring your kingdom so that we can look and say, look what our God can do with so little because he is God. And we love you, Lord, and we give this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're talking about going, going and and sharing God's promise. All this stuff that we've heard is great, but why keep it to ourselves? In this passage, as we we examine it, you'll start kind of getting the fact that it's kind of a foretelling. It's kind of paralleling the very gospel of Jesus Christ that happens over 700 years after this is written. 
it'll parallel the captivity of the Israelites into freedom, the captivity of our own hearts in sin to the freedom that Jesus Christ brings. And this is what separates religion from relationship today. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Because religion is the stuff that we do because we have to. It's the stuff that we do because we were taught to do it and just kind of make it happen. And it's the stuff we do because we're scared to death of what God may do to us if we don't. It's fear-driven. Where a relationship is love-driven. I love Jesus so much, I want to serve him. I love Jesus so much, I want to serve his people. And I love the people of God so much that I want to serve them. And we're going to talk about that today as we go through Isaiah 55, verses 12 and 13. And we'll, let's go ahead and start breaking it down. With you, go, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And please understand the context of this. We always go back to context. Let's figure out where we're starting from and go from there, right? So 700 years ago, ancient Israel, when those two words put together, go out, which actually was one word back then, but that phrase, go out, as soon as that was said, it sparked something in the hearts and minds of the Israelites, which was, wow, go out. That's what was told to us when we were captive in Babylon. That's what was told to us when we were slaves in Egypt. God will deliver us and we will go out from there. And so this hearkened those images in their mind. So automatically at a captive audience. <coughs> Excuse me. And then he tells us how we're to go out. We're to go out in joy, to be led forth in, in peace, not, not trembling in fear, not hesitation or timidity, and not with any regrets. We leave that behind. We go out in joy. We're led forth by peace. And a few months ago, Pastor Tom shared uh, a message about the difference between joy and, and happiness. And we learned that happiness is fleeting because it's fueled externally. It's the things that make us happy. There's, we need things. We need stuff. We need people to affirm us. We need this. We need that. And that's what makes us happy. But that's also what makes it so easy to lose happiness because those things aren't eternal. But joy comes from inside. It is fueled eternally through the Spirit of God. It's the thing that says, when I lose all my happiness, I still have joy in my heart. And I can get through it because God is with me. The peace that he's talking about here is the same way. It's internally fueled. We talked a couple weeks ago, and I just mentioned it. In, uh, in earlier in Isaiah, when he's talking in verses 8 and 9, and he says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my ways higher than your ways. And that means that we can lean back. It doesn't mean that, we don't, that we're not active, but it means that we lean back in his caring arms. It means that when everything around us is just blowing up and being crazy and it seems like, it just seems like our whole world is falling in on us, that God still has us right here in his hands. As hard as it gets, as hard as it gets. And sometimes it doesn't feel like it. But he still has us right here. That's the peace. That's the joy that he's talking about. And the parallel to that, the parallel that comes in the New Testament of that is that when people see us, they see 
that peace. They see that joy, and they see other things. And this comes from Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, look, here's the thing. I was, I was born and raised in the city. I don't know anything about farming or anything, okay? You could put a peach tree next to an apple tree, next to a cherry tree, next to, I don't know, whatever. But, and, I, and you could say in the springtime, hey, what trees are those? And I'm like, uh, green ones? I don't know. They got leaves on them. They got some wood coming up. I have no idea. I have no idea how to tell the difference between a, a peach tree and an apple tree or a pear tree until they bear fruit. Now, after that, I can figure that out because Mama Buxel didn't raise no dummy. And I can say, well, that tree has apples on. Chances are it's an apple tree, right? We, we see outward what something is inward by the fruit that it bears. And in the same way, people see that in us. Are we exuding peace? Are we exuding joy? Are we exuding, exuding love in our lives and all the rest? The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and the trees of the field will clap their hands. What an awesome image, right? Even creation itself celebrates what God is doing. There's one point where Jesus is entering Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday now, right? And actually we saw some of the youth actually portraying that as one of the scenes. And people were throwing their cloaks down and palm leaves down and they were shouting, Hosanna. Some Pharisees in the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Because you know back then, that wasn't very dignified of a rabbi to do, was it? And he says this, I love his reply. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, surely the rocks will cry out. Man, if these people don't say it, even the most inanimate of objects, the stones, the rocks, will uproar and cry out. Creation calls for the Lord. What an awesome scene that must have been, coming out of captivity, knowing that the mountains and the hills will burst forth as you approach your homeland, and the trees of the field celebrate with you. When when we used to go out of town, when we lived in Cincinnati, we would uh, always fly back into the this greater Cincinnati airport, which was in northern Kentucky, but I'm not sure how that worked out, but it did. And so we would always have to drive up from, from Kentucky into to Cincinnati, and you'd come up I-75, and there's a place in northern Kentucky called the Cut in the Hill. It's a big hill, and they cut a road into it. Um, and as you come around that bend in the Cut in the Hill, it opens up to this beautiful skyline of Cincinnati, And after being gone for a week or two weeks, you come up and you see that and you're like, I am home. And it just feels like those hills are bursting forth in song for you. It's great. You know what? I have that same feeling now. When I go away, there's nothing like coming back to Grove City, coming back to my home, coming up 62 and driving up and going, hey, there's that place. I'm home. It's good to be home. It's a great homecoming. And the parallel here is this. In Luke 15, Jesus is telling one of, his, uh, one of his awesome stories. They're called parables. It's a story that, that has a meaning. And he says this. 
Suppose a woman has ten silver coins, and she loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls all her friends and neighbors together, and she says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you this, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Come on. Come on. Is that awesome? What a homecoming. Man. I remember the 5K just a few weeks ago, right? And you come back and people are cheering you. Yay! Right? And you come in and it's awesome. And it's going to be even better in heaven. When we hear, hey, guess what? Another sinner repented and they're in the family. All right. That's good stuff. That stuff will preach right there. All righty. And instead of thorn bush will grow the cypress, and instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. And think about this. So you're in captivity. You're away from your homeland. If you're away for quite a while, a long while, years, guess what happens? Your, your fields get overrun with weeds, and the thorn bushes and the briars start growing up where there would have been wheat or barley or whatever you're growing. Stuff would be climbing up on your, on your homes, and that. And instead, what they're saying is, God is so faithful. They come out of captivity. They come to the trees and the hills rejoicing. And they come around that corner and there's their homes. And instead of briars and thorns, they see cypress trees, beautiful, majestic trees. Some, some, uh, some translations say fir trees, also just beautiful, helpful, useful trees. Explain that in a second. And these wonderful myrtle trees growing. Now understand, again, had to look this up uh, because I'm not the old botanist here, but the cypress tree or the fir tree to which they're referring, huge trees. They're planted in villages to give shade. They're also planted because they're great for building. They're useful. Instead of having the useless briars, the useless thorn bushes that really all they're good for is thrown in the fire. They have these beautiful shade trees that they can use to build homes. Instead of thorns and briars, they had myrtle trees, which are these beautiful trees that grow in Israel. They're flowering trees. And in the springtime, they flower, and the fragrance is amazing. And throughout their lives, they give berries that are good for eating. But the whole time, there's this essence of evergreen that surrounds them. So they're pleasant. So instead of, of having the useless stuff, God has given us the good stuff. See where I'm going with this? All righty. Interesting thing here too is the cypress or fir and the myrtle are both evergreens. They don't die. They don't go dormant. They stay green. They stay, they continue to give season by season by season kind of like God. Well, let's check out the parallel here. And um, parallel here in two parts. And the first is this. Judgment has been replaced with salvation, right? The thorns for the good trees. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. No more condemnation, no more judgment. Instead, we have salvation, 
We have the blessing of the gospel. And this is for everybody. This is the broad thing. This is what God's saying in Isaiah. This is, I want to tell you all this. But there's something even more personal here. And that's uh, that we've been changed. That God has taken those thorn bushes and the briars inside here. He's cleared all that out. When we come to the Lord and repent, we accept him into our heart. He clears all that out. And he replaces it with good things, useful things, fruit-bearing things, the Holy Spirit. And it says this. We're not the same people we were. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. You are a new creation. If you know Jesus, you are a new creation. That person that the devil whispers in your ear all the time and goes, hey, remember when you used to do that? You say, I don't even remember him. I don't remember her. I'm a new creation in Christ. That old person, they're gone. You don't believe me? Let's pull out some 2 Corinthians, right? That's some good stuff, people. Everybody's still awake, right? I know you're just in awe. Great point. He goes on to continue. This will be for the Lord's renown. And remember that everything that we do, all that it's about is all for God's glory. Not that we boast in ourselves, but we give it all, all to God. And if you don't believe that, read, read through the Old Testament and see the times that the, the Jews would stop and build an altar, that they would come and sacrifice and worship. Read through the Psalms and see the, the songs that just give everything to God and put him first. And the parallel to that is that it is for, for God's glory. And Jesus, while preaching the Sermon on the Mount, says, let your light shine before all men that they may see your good deeds and praise who? Your Father in heaven, right? They don't say, hey, let them see your good deeds and give you a big old pat on the back and say, way to go, buddy. That's not bad either, right? We want to encourage each other and edify one another. But we also do it and we say, man, look what my God can do. How did you have joy when your world was coming down all around you? Well, let me tell you, I've got God living inside of me, right? Let him see that light and give praise to our Father who's in heaven. An everlasting sign that will endure forever. You see, again, this, this goes back and when the people who were hearing this for the first time the Jews of 700 B.C. hear this. They, they think this, another sign, an eternal sign that God gave him as a covenant. Genesis 9, 13, I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the people of the earth. It will be a sign. It goes on to talk about the everlasting covenant that when the rainbow is in the clouds, you will know that God is still God. And the people automatically hearing that go, man, remember the rainbow? Remember the Noah thing? Remember the salvation of our God? And that's awesome. And here's the parallel on this one. This is a blanket offering, folks. This covenant, this new covenant that he's making through Jesus Christ is not for the Jews. It's not for the Gentiles. It's, it is for them. It's not just for them, let me say that. But it's for everyone. It's for everyone. It's all who have ears to hear and hearts 
that will receive that God is faithful to his promise and his love endures forever. 1 Corinthians 1.8 says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It is the power of God. If you're walking through life and you're going, man, I feel completely powerless, maybe we need to head to the cross. If, if I'm going, I just can't stand up anymore, well, good, God wants you on your knees anyway. You know? We gotta get back to that. <clears throat> Let's get with some God. Let's go out. And we're gonna talk about that in just a second. Worship team, why don't you come on up? Because here's my final point is this. So what do we do with this stuff, right? I always like figuring out, okay, a, a great way to examine the Bible, if you're ever doing a Bible study at home and you wanna read it, is, okay, so, so what does this say? What is it talking about, right? What does it mean? And then what do I do with it? Right? So what do we do with this information that Isaiah has, has given to us, that God has given us, actually, through the prophet Isaiah? And I don't know if the Apostle Paul had this in mind when he was writing his letter to the Ephesians, but if you have a chance, read the book of Ephesians. If you want to just break it down, I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, it says this in the first verse, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions, and sin. So think about this. Isaiah is saying, hey, remember when you had to go out from captivity? That's what he's talking about. And he goes on and he talks about what the sinful life is and sinful desires and things like that, the things that we have to deal with every day. And you know what? Go home and read that. But right now, I think, that, I think we give the devil too much credit. Let him have that for now. Let's give some credit to Jesus and to God and see what his redemptive says in verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved. Let me say that again to you. It is is by grace that you have been saved. Is that exciting to you? Because it's really exciting to me. It it doesn't mean anything I got to do. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, but it is a gift of God. Not by works. You don't have to be good enough or do the right things. That's religion. We talked about that, right? It's not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God prepared in in advance for us to do. I think... It's like we have a mission, right? And I think what what Isaiah was saying and what what Paul is saying here, in probably a very nice way, is, you know what, guys? God has blessed you. God has saved you. God has redeemed you. Now get off your butt and do something about it. Right? Come on, let's get out of the seats and go do something. Like Joe said earlier, You get together and you deploy. You move out, right? And that's what we're going to talk about. So um, the worship team is going to lead us in a song as as part of this teaching, actually. And then we'll come back up and and we'll finish. And, And I absolutely love this song because it just brings home the fact that we are created to go. And Jim, will you go ahead and put up the chorus on that? Because this is so important that if you lead me, Lord... I will follow is the chorus. If you lead me, Lord, I will go. 
Come and heal me. In fact, God's saying, look, I'm not going to just let you go. I got you. I'll heal you first. I'll restore you first. You are a new creation. Let me, let me make you a new creation. Let me build that fruit of the Spirit in your heart. And then go. I will go. This is a wonderful prayer. And I want us to just sing this as our prayer this morning. If you lead me, Lord, I will follow. And you're going to hear the, the verses of the song talking about this is for everyone, all who are weak, all who are weary, all who are brokenhearted. This isn't for the perfect, because then it wouldn't really be for anyone, would it? As they sing this, if you need that, remember, if you need that fresh anointing, if you need an anointing that, maybe that even permission to go. That commissioning like, like we gave the Brazil team up here earlier, right? Maybe you need that. Maybe you just say, hey, I just need a push. I just need to know the Holy Spirit's going to go ahead of me. I just need that little oomph. Come on up here. Sing it. Enjoy it. But, but this place is open for you to just step out and go, okay, I need it. I need to go. And, and if you do that, we're going to sing over you. Anybody who's left in the seats, just go ahead and keep singing and, and let us sing that over you this morning. So if you're, if you're willing, if you're wanting to be commissioned to go, come on up. It's up to you.